0: All right. Good evening, day, good day, good day, good afternoon. This is Alex Haig here, and uh, this is another episode of the Stoic Agent Podcast. Got a really cool guest here on today. Her name is Debbie DeGrout, and um, she's a, uh, she was a real estate tycoon in her day. Uh, I think she still does a little real estate these days, but mostly now I know she does some coaching, and we're going to really get into that here later in the episode. So welcome to the podcast, Debbie.
1: Thank you. Always fun to be here and to be with you. So I'm here for way.
0: Thank you. Excellent. Well, like we were talking about a little bit off air here, um, you know, we get into a little bit of the principles around stoicism. It doesn't have to be you know this thought on uh, this philosophy. but I really do think, you know, I bring people like you on that I think really embody a lot of these principles that we talked about. So before we get into that, so the audience knows who you are, Give us like a little background. Uh, we don't have to go back as far as adolescence, but maybe, you know, just kind of a little background on you and and what kind of has brought you to this point here.
1: Well, actually, we have to go to adolescence to say I began selling real estate at the age of 18. <laughs> so, and actually what happened, uh, planning to go to college, parents had some financial issues, didn't have the money. And my Sunday school teacher happened to be a wonderful broker who said, why don't you get your license, work for me, save some money, and then do real estate part-time and go to college. I, I thought I ultimately wanted to be an attorney. Interestingly enough, though, I walked into that real estate office and I just fell in love. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I was number one in California for Century 21, number three in the nation, number eight in the world. And I used to sell about 156 units a year, my own personal production. So then I, then I fell in love with launching offices and doing strategic planning and helping my broker recruit and grow as I sold. And then I was, um, invited to be a panel guest and that opened the door to running a, a coaching company that at the time, uh, was the up and coming coaching company when there weren't many of those around. And I did that for 13 years. And then I left to launch my own about 13 years ago, because I really had a different philosophy and strategy around coaching. It was time to go down that path of my, my personal passion.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, kind of a lot to unpack in there. I wrote down a couple of things here. Um, you know, uh, and you were with Keller at, at one point, way, shape, or form. Is Were those the offices that you developed?
1: Not as a real estate agent. No, as a real estate agent, I started with Century 21. And then one of the largest Century 21s, or the largest in the country, then went independent, became first-team real estate. So that's where I did a lot of strategic planning. My experience with uh, Keller Williams is in between Leaving the coaching company I was running, I had a two year non compete and I wanted to fully honor that. So I was coaching companies like Farmers Insurance and Nutraceutical Company. And actually, Keller Williams reached out and said, Hey, we know legally you could come here. Would you come and work here and work with our coaches, help us develop programs? And then, of course, that's where I met my business partner, Ben Kinney. They said, We have this wild and crazy guy doing amazing things in the industry and you need to coach him for us so i i stayed for the two years we parted as great friends even though they invited me to stay i knew i still had to follow that passion to do coaching the way i wanted to do it so that mm-hmm. was my experience there with kw all very positive of course mm-hmm
0: let's dig into that. So what were, you know, what did you see, I guess, what did you learn uh, from the coaching that you had done before? And what were some of the kind of the philosophies as you talked about that, like you thought could you could add more value, I guess, to, to the people that you did coach?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm probably almost without a doubt, I would say the person that's done the most real estate coaching sessions. <laughs> In the country, we just stopped counting after a 100,000. So over the last 22 years, which has given me a lot of opportunity to see what works, what doesn't work, also being inside of two big coaching companies to see the flaws and, and the strengths. And what I, I know is that when the coaching is really custom designed around the person, not just their business goals, their, their life. Um, what's important and what matters to them? Um, where they want this, what is their vision for where they want us to be three to five years from now? And Alex, we also even look at their personality style, you know, because mm-hmm. personality characteristics are going to make you more likely to be passionate about doing things a certain way. So we take all of that puzzle into account and then say, what's the success blueprint for this person? Where mm-hmm. most coaching companies it's, "Hey, we've got a curriculum, we've got a path, get on board, do this, do this, do this. And it, it may have some positive benefit. However, it's not really tailored to that person. It's not going to be explosive, positive growth. And that growth may not always be about more money, right? Mm -hmm. It may be about more quality of life or expanding their investments or building another type of business. This is hard to do though. And it requires Mm -hmm. me to be very involved with each client. And it also requires me to hire only the most experienced industry experts because they need to zig and zag Mm -hmm. and go where they need to go. And then I'm the matchmaker. I hand select every coach and guarantee that match. So it's pretty uh, service and time intensive. However, our clients tend to stay. Retention is very high to the point we don't even ask our clients to sign a contract. I don't, don't really need to.
0: Love it. Well, I can attest to uh, part of that. Um, you know, I want to go back a little bit because what I heard in the beginning there was that you uh, had a family that had some money issues and then you had, it sounds like you found maybe a mentor even at a young age there with that preschool or that, you know, that, uh, you know, teacher in your adolescence there. Do you think that, like, let me ask you, I guess, two questions here within the same. Uh, Do you think that uh, when you evaluate somebody, do you look, so first you're looking at DISC, Right. Okay. And so, you know, disc is one thing that tells a personality type. Do you also kind of start to dig into, and you mentioned what their visions were and, and or if they even had any, maybe, maybe you coach some people that don't even have a vision. Do you start there? Is that kind of, do you work with their identity? You know, going to kind of Gary Keller, that's where I heard that notion first. And I think there's a lot to, to pull out of that. Do, do you look at their identity of like, hey, do you look back and say, hey, you had a tough childhood? Did you have money issues and that kind of stuff is going on? Do you go that deep?
1: Oh yeah. We go pretty deep. You know, uh I all details are confidential, but I just finished it a strategy always online and lower. Lost a spouse five years ago, raising your children, running their construction build business, trying to build their real estate business, and yet she's also very involved in her church and charities and so there's so many pieces of her life and for her it's not just about the money it's about you know who is her ideal client or ideal source of business and she's doing well but not as well in the real estate as she would like because she wants that to fuel investments for her children's future so yeah we we try to understand um all ask questions like what was your vision when you got into this business why did you choose it? Without being super specific, just tell me if you were three to five years down the road, what would you want it to look like? Both the, the units, the money, more importantly, though, your role in all of it. Where do you personally want to be? Um, I, I like to know about other factors in their life that they might need to dedicate time And energy too. So we know how to, how to budget that and that we're a big fan of finding what they do well and helping them find the gaps and those areas and tune up and prove there. Mm. Because then we can now add additional opportunities that are appropriate. But let's do really well with what you're already doing. So I, I love it. Again, I just, I go into these sessions with a blank, just blank slate. No agenda not and not there to press them into joining coaching because if we discover it's not right for them at this moment, I'd rather invite them to our webinars our events and and we'll do it together in the future, right, mm-hmm. it's right. Mm-hmm.
0: so digging a little bit further into that, do you think, um, like maybe somebody has an identity that has to do with, I guess, scarcity or, or being poor, like that you came from that, right? And it was we always struggled for money kind of thing. So one of the principles we talked about is courage. Um do you think that there's a certain amount of courage that has to kind of be deployed within one sort of pursuit of like that vision? And uh, maybe talk a little bit about courage?
1: i I do. I, I think that real estate is, in a way, an easy, hard business. So what I mean by easy, if you think about it, you go out, you meet people and then you show them houses or you list their house. I mean, technically, if you look at that, it's not brain surgery, right? But where it gets hard and complicated is helping people through their life dramas as they're going through a real estate transaction, which is so stressful. Also waking up every morning saying, I've got to go, I got to make it happen. And if you think about how hard that is to, to start every day, you know, you do it, Alex, you wake up, you say, okay, what do I have to do today to find that next client, to help this client, to solve these problems? And, and that's the life of an entrepreneur, which is why a lot of people don't choose it, right? They choose that nine to five. And yet I look at that and say, well, that might look like security but i feel like what we all have is more secure because we have the power to go out and make it a great day every day but how yeah, that i that takes a lot of courage because you're really putting yourself on the line every single day
0: mm. i love that you know it was sparked something in my mind there and from meditations with marcus aurelius and he he said he would uh Wake up in the morning and he'd be in nice warm sheets. And if we think about, you know, if you're an emperor of Rome, you really don't have to get out of bed. And all the previous emperors to him really were, you know, drinking wine and women and the games and all that kind of stuff. It was really a life of luxury, but he actually chose the other route and really was about the people. And he would say, he said, and I'll paraphrase it poorly is, you know, when you wake up and he was in the warm bed, right? And he would say, this is not what a human was meant to do. A human was actually meant to go out and to do to labor to pursue something um when that you know i do we do a morning role play every day and i'm up at 4 30 and that it's been part of my routine for for years um do you think connecting with that you you spoke about earlier connecting with the vision does that help like if you have a solid vision and then you can like when you're warm in bed do you connect that with a vision to help you with that courage? I mean, it's like a lot of courage to get out of bed, but you follow me on that?
1: I do, and it, it's funny. It, people are so different in that. Like i I don't know. it might have even been Tom Brady when they asked about you know thinking ahead or thinking of this season. He said, "I just think about the next game." So, whether you're someone that just says, "Hey, I'm just thinking about," today or this week or this month and that's my my focus or you happen to be a long-term planner if there isn't a reason like and this lady actually said to me today when i when i meet my husband passed away and starting this business with her when i meet him in heaven every day i think i want him to say i am proud of you i am proud of what you built see that House um, so updates gets her out of bed. So no. whether it's to, um, uh, help your parents financially, help them buy a house, which any of us have done things like that, or get your kids mm. through college. You know, I, I was very important to me that my kids could go to college and not have student loans because I didn't have that opportunity, right? Mm. And so you find those things. That matter, and I think that's that little lever mm-hmm. that you push when you just don't feel like doing it. Because mm-hmm. obviously, we all have those days.
0: Mm-hmm. I love how you brought up you know, easy and hard, uh, and also still staying on that bed and, and a bit of courage, and maybe the things that we can think about that help us move through that. I love the vision, and I love that idea of when I meet my husband in heaven. That's that's a pretty profound notion. Um, you know, another thing, I mean to bring up Marcus Release again, but he would say, um, and again, I'll paraphrase, uh, he would wake up and he would say, today, people are going to be rude, they're going to be mean, it's not going to be fair. He actually prepared himself for that. And do you think that is that part of, would that help with the heart of like, expecting that that will be the case? And that's what we get paid quite well for is to actually do that that's part of the uh, part of the game
1: oh 100 percent I mean so many things went through my mind at our last Bill cow event we had uh, will Gudara, who wrote the book unreasonable hospitality and those were the two words they chose for their restaurant because they're like we're just gonna be so hospitable it's crazy when I launched the coaching company I told our team we have two words, flawless and gracious. We will strive to be flawless. However, we will always be gracious. And, and, you know, we're very fortunate. I think we attract some of the best in the industry that we work with. Every person on my team knows if there would be one thing I would, I would not tolerate, they would be fired because, um, if they treat someone badly. So even if someone is upset, if they're angry, if they're rude, we try to get inside their head and say, why, you know, what's going on with them? What's causing that? And that doesn't mean that we have to behave in that same way. And I don't think life is fair. Who said it's going to be fair? (laughs) But if you go into the day expecting, everyone's going to say yes, everyone's going to like you, everyone's going to be nice to you, and you're devastated when that does happen, and you're going to be pretty fragile, you know, and you're going to be pretty angry and pretty frustrated.
0: I love that. To be flawless and and to have grace. Uh, Another one, one, one of my favorite words is to be magnanimous. We talk about that, and that is to be of great mind and great heart and the refusal to be petty. So to to be of great mind and great heart in the face of someone maybe not being of great mind and great heart to you, I think that is is part of what we're talking about here right like really preparing yourself for that and if it's the alter if you get great clients all day long wonderful i would I would love to come to your town if you have that group of people out there like it right it's it's gonna happen and um do you think that's part of what? why there's such a large attrition is that, uh, you know, I'm going to dig into something a little bit, I'm going to follow this up. Do you think that's part of it is what the attrition is, is that people don't really realize how uh, challenging really people can be in this time of, of, you know, usually the biggest purchase of their life.
1: I think it's that I also feel that, uh, looking from the outside, looking in, there is a misconception about what does it take to be a great real estate sales professional. I remember once having a friend that said to me, I would love to have your job. You dress up, you look at beautiful houses all day you go to lunch and you go to the bank. Well, I had just finished a day of showing repos getting covered by fleas, you know, a flat tire because he ran over nails at a demo site. I mean, and it's and sweaty and hot in the summer. And I'm thinking like, I don't know what job you're talking about, but it's not this one. So I, I think that people underestimate, and I don't want to use a word that's aggressive. It's just the word that comes to my mind. You have to hunt every day. You have to hunt. You have to hunt for new opportunities. You have to hunt for new prospects. You have to hunt for new solutions, for situations. It requires an edge on a focus which is why you read so many great books and do the meditation. And, you know, I also get up and thirty in the morning. It's it's a mental gate. And I, I feel like sometimes people come into it underestimating. You know, they'll say, I'm good when I'm in front of people. Perfect. The hard part is getting in front of enough people.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something here, actually, that I haven't done. So bear with me. Um so I saw an illustration here and it actually uh, it came up, you know, what Chris was talking about last Friday of uh, Paul Graham and the the principles that he goes by is, is skills, effort, and ability, right? And so part, I was thinking, how do I kind of try to piece all this together? And I'm going to try to share my screen here. Let me see if I can do this uh, window. There we go. So this, uh, if you heard of this before, the the Dunning-Kruger effect,
1: Maybe, let me see. Yes, I have seen this before. Yes.
0: Right. So I thought this was a great illustration into what Chris was talking about and how I try to continue to empower the agents. Like, you get into the business, and I remember this because, you know, you get in, you you think that the tough part is passing your real estate exam. Like, I try to it that way. Everybody's like, my phone's going to be ringing. I'm, know I'm a normal real estate agent. So they come in very confident. Right you come in, you're full of you know HGTV and aspirations and all this, but then they realize that they know nothing. You thought that you knew something because you got your real estate license. So then the confidence goes way down. And a lot of people stay in this kind of valley of despair, if you will, right? But then what you need to do is you need to deploy your effort, you need to develop your skills, and that will develop your ability. And as you put that effort in your enlightenment goes up, and then you start to get into a plateau of sustainability. Do you think that this is a good illustration of what we're talking about?
1: Absolutely. You just reminded me. I mean, I was a straight A student, and I had a job after school, so I was not a lazy kid, but my first day on the job at the real estate office, I walked in at 11.30, and I saw the, the note there, Guru. Thank goodness my broker was an awesome guru. He grabbed me and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm coming to work. He said, it's 11.30. I said, but I know, but I'm an independent contractor. He said, no, no, no. You're going to show up at 8 o'clock. And he said, you're you're new. You're stupid. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. And if you do exactly what I tell you to do, you will be successful. But if you do not, you will wash out of business. So he was tough and firm and set me on a path, but the very next year fixed strength went to 18%. So I was definitely in that valley of despair, thinking, I, 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 I was just starting to get a little traction of success, and now the world is ending. You know, I've never been able to do this. And he had to be the book thinking, well, Rich, and he said, you gotta read this every day. And I want you to say what the mind can't conceive, I believe it can't achieve. And go find the people that need to move. Now, was that fun here or tooth? No. Was it something I'm glad I went through? Yes. Because it taught me that no matter what, there are people that need our help. And that if I just double down and triple down and quadruple down my efforts, I could fill that gap. It wasn't fun. It wasn't pretty. I didn't enjoy it every day and yet when I came out of it, it gave me a confidence that no matter what, I can do this business. I can survive it. And I just really think, you know, having that kind of guru and unfortunately, I think in a lot of the brokerages and brands, it's not that there are good people there to help you, they just don't have the time or maybe they don't have the training right, to, to help someone on that path but yeah I totally went during
0: that cycle <laughs> right and or the, the cool thing about it is is that it you know if once you get it you know I was listening to Alex Romosi this morning I don't know if you, who he is but he was talking about you know that then then you get to that plateau of sustainability where you start getting some checks and there's another level right there's another level where you maybe go in with some confidence because you had confidence because you sold you know 30 40 50 60 or however many houses. And it's like, well, I want to start a team, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, you're going to start maybe with some confidence, and then you're going to go into that valley of despair when you start the team, and then and so forth. So, I think that dovetails well into kind of the next notion, and and you know, you're an incredibly wise person is you you've learned from others, and you know, and I always say this in my podcast because I love it. My grant, this will be my Boston accent come out. Uh, you're smart if you learn from your mistakes. You're wise if you learn from others. Do, do you think that there's, do you think that, and this is what you're about, you know, you're about coaching. And so could you talk maybe a little bit about wisdom and maybe having humility to say, I don't know, I'm in down in the Valley of Despair. And Chris, you know, one of our great leaders talked about reaching out and saying, Hey, I, I need help. I don't want you to do it for me, but kind of guide me. So do you think that there, that wisdom comes from finding a mentor, finding a guru, whatever, you know, you want to call it to help you grow and and become maybe as wise as you are, Debbie?
1: Well, and and it's funny, someone will say to me, so 22 years and 100,000 plus coaching sessions, you must really feel like you've got it all figured out like you've arrived. And I and I don't. I, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I chose to to be in business partnership with with Ben Kinney and Chris Suarez, some of those amazing people. I like to be with people who I feel are smarter than me in, in certain things that they do. And I also feel like if you ever feel you've arrived, you're gonna you're gonna go backwards. You know, you, you got to keep mm-hmm. growing, got to keep learning. And I think the best. Athletes always are challenging themselves to be their own personal best. So it's not a comfortable spot though. You know, it's much more comfortable to be complacent. It's much easier. And I do see that in the real estate industry, even on the most basic skill level where salespeople will sometimes just get good enough to get by what they don't really strive to master the art of communication or the art of selling or being a master negotiator. They just put contracts together and push them out. And and that's that's a shame. But that also means for those who are willing to really step it up and take on the challenge, they, they can really shine in an industry that sometimes can be a little bit mediocre.
0: Do mm. you think there's uh, a certain amount of you know that that i guess the character trait of being humble of continuing to say i don't know that's what humility essentially is is you know you you can have a confident you can have a confident humility but like to just say continue to say i don't know and there's more that i can know and search out those people as you have
1: i do i also think part of being humble is uh back to that being gracious you know that the big turnoff to me is if someone would say, don't you know who I am, mm. right? That the arrogance that can sometimes go along with success. And yet you and I know some incredibly successful people that are very humble about their success. And their. Uh, some of our best clients, the biggest agents in the entire nation. You would think in their market, they would be hated because they so dominate the market but they are just so humble and so kind to the other agents that they actually seek them out and want to do deals with them, right? Mm-hmm. so I think it's humble about your skills, humble about you're not the smartest person in the room, and, but also just, you know, we just all need to be very gracious in how we work together.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that humility and confidence can also coincide?
1: I do. I do. Confidence is I, I know what I know and I'm learning and I've done the work to get here. But again, as you said, I'm humble and open to learning more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that that was one of the reasons when Ben came to me three years ago and said, Hey, I love the work you do at Forward Coaching. I have all kinds of people in my world that need a coach and will need a coach. I'd like to be your business partner. And Alex, I was not looking for a partner. I didn't need an investor. I I just went full no. And I said to my husband, I think Ben is like the Steve Jobs of real estate. He is one of the most brilliant people I know. And he sees this industry with such a clarity that I I want to hang out with that person. I know what I'm good at and I know the things I am not good at. Just that big, massive, big picture vision that he has the ability to have. So I knew where my blind spots were. Mm-hmm. And that and it, it wasn't always comfortable. It hasn't always been comfortable to to have a partner after so many years of not having a partner. Yeah. And yet I just If you're going to get into partnerships, you have to be sure you really respect those people.
0: Mm. I'd like to, you know, thank you for that. Um, I'd like to dig in a little bit. When we talk about partners, uh, you know, it's like if you're married, right? Like it's a 50-50. It's 100% on both sides. Um, And one of the things I heard once, which I still try to hone in on is, maybe you could give some advice for people that are thinking about becoming partners with somebody and what's some of the advice. And I'll I'll maybe give you a little bit of something to gnaw on here within this, um, that we manage agreements. We don't manage people. Have you ever heard that one? Do you you think there's a lot within that? So you know, your role, I know my role. We do them a hundred percent together and we can go further, farther, faster together type thing.
1: Yeah, I do. And I do think it's important even, when you're working with family, you know, my, my daughter, Taylor, she's president forward coaching. She's also the executive director of integration for place and working in a big way with Ben's team over there. And I think she would be the first to tell you, even though she's my daughter, there is very clear agreement between us. Yeah. Who does what? How we're responsible to each other. And she would tell you that she knows if she did not keep her end of the bargain, then we would still be mother and daughter. However, she would no longer be the president of Forward Coaching because there is integrity in our agreement together. And I think sometimes partnerships fall apart because maybe they don't know enough about each other you know, Ben and I knew each other for years. I I was Ben's coach. So I knew Ben well, but we spent months discussing the details of our agreement. And even to the point of, hey, we're not going to spend more than $5,000 without conferring with each other, like down to the details. Because sometimes that's where partnerships break up. There was just a lack of clarity around the commitments and around that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's spot on. It kind of goes into that, uh, you know, and you mentioned family and, uh, you know, it's especially tough because we love our family, but even with a friend, I've, I've just seen it, I've been a part of them. Uh, and so I had to learn my kind of my own mistakes. Um, you know, that if you can really like somebody and have a great relationship with them, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be great partners, you could be great partners if you establish what those commitments are, what each person is meant to do rather than just like, Hey, we love doing these kind of things together, but that doesn't necessarily always translate into being great partners.
1: It doesn't. And about 75, uh, well, at least 70% of who we coach here are teams of some sort. And one of the biggest Mm -hmm. mistakes I see is they like someone or they have a family member and they try to squeeze them and mold them and fit them into a role that they're really not suited for, which feels great maybe at the time, hey, I'm giving them this job, but ultimately isn't good for, for either party and then ends up blowing up. So yeah. you don't conform the person to fit the role. They really either fit the role you have in mind or they, or they don't. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just, just a disaster waiting to happen.
0: I love that. I- do you think, um, I'm going to shift gears, but kind of maybe stay a little bit on this subject of the notion of temperance. And so the notion of temperance is balance, right? So we have our family relationship in this partner, you know, situation we're talking about here, and then we have a business relationship. And how do we balance that so that it that it works? Um, so that would just kind of be an idea on, on balance and temperance. And I guess that, the you know, the, the most people think about temperance of that they don't drink, and and I guess it's just basically giving up something to have something else. Uh, and I don't know if the partnership is a great analogy there, but maybe you could talk a little bit about to the people out there around temperance. Do you think that, you know, giving up something to have something else, and I'm not talking about drinking or whatever, I'm just saying it might be Facebook, it might be, you know, it might be eating stuff when, you know, that brings you down. Maybe you could, you could, you could talk a little bit about temperance and how you think that can help people within our industry or others.
1: Too much news. <laughs> Yeah, because 90% of sales success is mindset. And I thought mm. someone said such a great thing. And I can't remember where I heard it, but they were using an example that if I opened my front door and my neighbor threw into my entryway a pile of disgusting garbage, I would be incredibly offended. And then it hit me, they said, that every morning, first thing I do is I get up, I turn on the TV, I turn on the news, and I start letting all of that wash over me when I should be doing something like take a walk outside, meditate, read a great book, you know, say my affirmations. Instead of preparing my mind for a great day, I'm dumping all of that in. And my sister in law, she always gives me a hard time because I don't watch the news. And she said, how will I know what's going on in the world? And I told her, I'm pretty sure you'll tell me. So <laughs> you know, yeah. mommy headed our way, I will hear the siren. And it's yeah. not that you don't want to be in touch with the world, but right. especially in our industry, Wall Street Journal, that's a great way to get business and financial news or pick a reliable source and then budget it into your day. Just not all the garbage, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's one of the things we're asking our clients to be very careful about who you put in your head, who you put in your world, because it's not an easy time in the real estate market right now. And they have to really be at the top of their mental game.
0: Oh, man, I I really like that bit. So you you think it's really, you think, I mean, I I think it's high, 90% mindset.
1: I do, I do, because, you know, it again. it just takes the to, to get yourself out of bed you know i remember saying once to my broker gosh i don't know maybe this business isn't for me because i'm just not loving it right now not super excited about it and it's not super fun he said well that's why it's called work instead of a key so if you don't do that mental work um i think it's hard to stick with it at the level you need to have the success you deserve
0: yeah I love that. Uh, This is going to kind of be a little open-ended. I'd just love to just maybe throw this out there without even any much prompting. What are your thoughts on, and you you said life isn't fair. Like Maybe I could ask it this way. Do you think that justice is related to fairness?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I mean, bad things happen to good people who don't deserve it. I mean we we see that every day. children don't deserve to be shot at school. you know that's not fair um so no, I don't know if I connect those two mm-hmm. i I almost feel like justice is an activity <laughs> thank right? like you yeah. you have to find ways to to bring justice to to situations um, mm-hmm. It certainly wouldn't make those parents feel that that was fair right so yeah i don't know i've never really thought about that but i'm not sure i connect those two to you
0: uh now you're interviewing me i love it um I, i think about it this way absolutely life is not fair and i think what you said that it's a it's almost an ethos that we try to live by meaning i do what is right not what is easy and that is just
1: right and makes
0: sense uh, that that's kind that's how i've broken down that because people say well it's not fair and it's like yeah well anybody will tell you life isn't fair or not you know anybody a victim will tell you that but um yeah that's what helps me work through that of just hey it's not fair but all i can do is what i can do and i need to run and this is what we talked about you know i need to have these philosophies of how do i operate what are my foundational principles of operating my life. And I just, I need to do what is right. know what is easy. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities I've had out there, um, to, to deploy justice, meaning uh, a little old lady says, Oh, give me a hundred thousand dollars for it. And I know it's worth 250,000 and it is not right. Unless she's informed, unless she knows, Hey, hey Mrs. Smith, this house is really worth 250,000. I would love to list it for you and get you that money. Uh, rather than going for the unfairness to take advantage of somebody who doesn't isn't informed or maybe has to whatever, that's not fair, uh, and that's my choice. Will I be just, or will I, you know, go the other way? That that's kind of how I I think about it.
1: And the funny thing about it is, sometimes start maybe make that decision, choose that path, just although in a way like, it's almost easier because there's no value worth in your mind. It's what is the right thing right. to rule. And it even made me think about, we've all had times when we've potentially written an offer on our own listing. And yet we knew our offer was not the best offer. And to be able to sit down with a seller and say, let's review all the contracts. And while I would make more money if you took this offer, this is not the one you should take.
0: You
1: know, that's not, that's a hard decision, but in a way it's not. When you just make up your mind, I'm gonna do the right thing. It does take a lot of burden off of you of that back and forth argument that goes on sometimes in your head. Yeah, I know I think that's a great point, the way you phrase it.
0: Yeah. It just like get down to the first principles of how you operate in your life. And right. and then that has to be immutable. Like there's there's not a concession there's not a, well, you know, you know what, you know, what's right. And you know, what's wrong, but you it's know, true. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I, and I love there's, there's not as much baggage with that. If it's an easier decision because it's clear, you clearly know what is right and you clearly know what's wrong. Um, yeah. So, so let's, uh, let's kind of finish up here. Uh, we, uh, we have another, uh, episode, we have another interview we're going to do after here on place. Uh, how can people reach you? Um, you know, talk to them a little bit about your coaching program. I, I've enrolled in it. So, you know, I've I've kind of vetted these folks and I've had a couple of conversations with Debbie and, and uh, you know, I'm enrolled in it. So, uh, you know, I can endorse you. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about your coaching program and how people can reach out to you.
1: Sure. Well, Debbie at forwardcoaching.com. So D-E-B-B-I-E. So that's my direct email, Debbie at dot com. And as I mentioned, we don't have a contract. Uh, Anyone who has an interest in joining, coaching, or exploring that speaks with me. And we have no salesmen, women, people on the floor. We have two amazing guys, Gary and Ron, and they're high-level customer service. And if you reach out... They'll talk to you just to gather information for me, mm-hmm. because I want to be sure that when I join you in that conversation, we come to me free beer. I, I go online, I look at the bios, a little bit the disc. They find some information that you've shared. And then we talk and we talk about the goals and what your ex- expectations are. And then at that point, if it feels right, the next step is I introduce you to the coach and only when you meet the coach then give us green light only then to move forward. So nice. it's very, a very methodical process. As I mentioned, I'm very involved in each of these so you would actually speak to me. And even if you just have a question, maybe it's not about coaching, just something you want to run by me or say, hey, can you just invite me to the complimentary forward webinars you do every week, have me to email So just send me an email, let me know how we can help.
0: Yeah, and I have to say, audience out there, for anybody that's watching this, this is exactly how it happened, and it and it really it resonated with me that you were on the you were the first point of contact, and you know we had a conversation. Uh, you asked me a lot of questions, and thank you for uh, offering up that book, The Seven Powers of Questions, because now I'm reading about halfway through that. I'm like, man, she she has this down pat. Uh, but you're not doing it as a salesy. I, I didn't feel sold at all. Uh, I really felt like you cared. I genuinely believe that. And, uh, so I can endorse, uh, your program. And I, I highly, highly recommend everybody and reach out to Debbie. She is, she's being honest, like, Hey, you'll just have a conversation. And if you don't think it's the right fit, you won't, uh, you're going to be honest and authentic and do what is right. If you don't think you can help them, I really felt like you weren't going to take me on. Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. So I hope they enjoy it and get some helpful tips and ideas. Cause I know I love watching and listening to others it's just a, a great inspiration and thank you for doing this i mean you've got an amazing podcast and you've done a really good job with it
0: i appreciate that thank you okay well i'm gonna press stop here uh, until the next time i'm gonna i'm sure i'll see you out at build howl but maybe i'll see you before then uh, you know as we are partners here in some way shape or form within this incredible organization and uh I genuinely want to thank you very much because I know how valuable your time is, Debbie. And uh, so I'm going to press stop here and uh, we'll see you the next time, okay?
1: All right.